Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. It's February 25th, 2021, and that means there's 10 months left until Christmas. Today on the show, we'll talk about everyone's favorite Christmas DIY decoration project, the snowman. We'll learn how to say Merry Christmas in at least five different ways, continue celebrating 2020 yum with a Christmas casserole recipe, and we've got your responses from our newest feature, Seasons Musings. Okay, let's start the show! Yule Believers, welcome back to the merriest podcast on Earth. I'm Tim Babb, your merry host, and it's good to have you back here in the Christmas cave. It's a little more festive in the cave now that I've finally taken down our outside decorations from last Christmas and put them back up in here in the Christmas cave. Sadly, the decorations didn't make it to Candlemas this year. Had a lot of rain here towards the end of January, and I guess my California lights couldn't handle it, and they blew a fuse. In fact, my Mickey Mouse Santa inflatable stopped working altogether, which is a little sad, but on the other hand, now begins the search to decide what I should replace him with this Christmas. But that's for the future! I need a little Christmas now! We need a mentioned last time, I'm declaring this year 2020 yum. So all of my Christmas Now segments for this year will be recipes you can enjoy. For today's recipe, I wanted to do a casserole since they're popular Christmas side dishes. So I was thinking of some kind of green bean casserole or the like, but when I did a search for Christmas casseroles, the overwhelming majority of the results were for breakfast casseroles. Now, while this was not a tradition I was familiar with, it still seemed like a very tasty idea. So, here's a recipe I found for a breakfast bacon Christmas casserole that I discovered at tasteofhome.com. Here's what you'll need. Seven slices of white bread, crust removed and cubed. Two cups of shredded cheddar cheese. Six large eggs, lightly beaten. Three cups 2% milk. One teaspoon ground mustard a half a teaspoon of salt, a fourth a teaspoon of pepper, six bacon strips cooked and crumbled. You might want to make seven or eight bacon strips because you're going to want to eat one just while you're making this because this is one of those things where you got to make it and sit it overnight and then finish making it in the morning. So you're just going to smell that bacon. You'll be like, I'm going to need some bacon to tie me over until I can have this bacon tomorrow. Anyway, here's how the recipe goes. First, you want to grease an 11 by 7 inch baking dish and then put the bread and the cheese in there. Then, in a large bowl, whisk up the eggs, the milk, the mustard, the salt, and the pepper. Then you pour that over the bread and the cheese, sprinkle with the bacon, then you cover that, stick that in the fridge, let it sit overnight. Then, when you wake up in the morning, hungry for that breakfast, remember... Give yourself some time because you're going to pull it out of the refrigerator, let it sit for 30 minutes before you even start baking it. 
And when you do bake it, you're going to bake it at 350 degrees for 50 to 55 minutes, or basically until you can insert a knife into the center of it. And when you pull it out, the knife is all clean. That's when you know it's ready. Then you still got to let it stand for 10 minutes before you can eat it. Now, in the highly unlikely event that you were not copying down everything I just said as I was saying it, I put a link to the Taste of Home recipe in the show notes of this episode. Let me know if you try it. And is breakfast casserole part of your Christmas traditions? Based on my internet search results, I feel like I'm missing out here. Let me know after you grab the recipe at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And now it's time for our countdown feature, Five Golden Things. So exactly one year ago, I started to do a list of my favorite ways to say Merry Christmas other than in English, but I was interrupted by Slappy the Elf, and we never got back around to it. Well, Slappy's nowhere in sight, so we're getting back to it today. I'm going to list my favorite ways to say Merry Christmas from around the world. Side note before I get started, there are a lot of languages out there, and I'm going to leave a ton of them out. I don't mean this as a slight or insult. These are just the top ways of saying Merry Christmas that sound good to my American ear, or that they just have nostalgia for me in general. And let's be fair, if you're a longtime listener of the show, particularly of the outtakes at the end, you know I'm going to steer this towards things I can actually pronounce. If your native language isn't mentioned, it isn't because it's not awesome. It probably is awesome. Okay, let's kick off this Christmas world tour with... Number five. Swedish. The Swedish way to say Merry Christmas is Good Yule. I like it because it's so close to Good Yule, and that sounds like just such a pleasant sentiment. I wish we heard this tossed around more every Christmas, but I am not willing to move to Sweden to make that happen. No offense, Sweden, but you're you're far. Number four. Japanese. In Japan, they say Merry Christmasu, which I like because it's close enough to English that I can clearly understand it, but it has enough of that distinct Japanese sound that I feel all worldly and sophisticated when I say it. (laughs) Number three. Italian. In Italy, they will greet you with Buon Natale. Now, my mom's side of my family is Italian, so maybe it's in my blood that I love the language, but this just sounds happy. Hey, how can you not be happy when you say Buena Natale? It's an impossible. Hey, it's a matter for you. Number two. Spanish. I don't have to tell you this one, but I'm going to anyway. Feliz Navidad. I understand this may be a controversial opinion, but I love the song Feliz Navidad, and that love has translated to those two words. I just love saying Feliz Navidad. Now, before we get to number one, it's time for some... Honorable Mentions! French. Much like the Swedish example, when the French say Joyeux Noël, it sounds very close to Joyous Noël, and I like that. Then there's the Germans who say Freuers Weihnachten. Now, there's a stereotype in America, at least, that German is an angry-sounding language, so I thought it was nice to recognize a very jolly German phrase. And last but not least of these honorable mentions is Christmas Daj Vijaj, which is, of course, how you say Merry Christmas in Klingon. I was surprised to learn there was a word for Merry, much less Christmas in Klingon, but now all I want is to see a Klingon Christmas special. Come on, Paramount Plus, you cowards! Give us a very Klingon Christmas! Kapla! Number one! Hawaiian. Another one I mainly know from a famous Christmas song, Mela Kalikimaka. I definitely only know this because of the Bing Crosby song, but come on! That's just a fun load of syllables mashed together into a Christmassy word explosion. For me, the Hawaiians take the cake for the best way to say Merry Christmas. 
But that's just me. What are your thoughts on this? Do you have any favorite way to say Merry Christmas? Email it to me at Christmas at Tancast.com, and I might just share your thoughts on a future episode. If I can pronounce them. Speaking of sharing your thoughts, it's time to hear a little feedback from our last show. Messages from listeners everywhere. Feedback on our last show. Feedback on our last show. So in our last episode, my boys read some Christmas jokes, which it's always a joy to get my sons involved in the show, but I also asked if you guys had any Christmas jokes you wanted to share. Fortunately, Jules stepped up to our Christmas open mic challenge, and so, please welcome to the Chris Kringle Kids Comedy Clubhouse stage, Jules! Hi Tim, this is Jules from Somerville, Massachusetts, and this is my favorite Christmas joke. Why was the Christmas tree so bad at knitting? Why? Because it kept dropping its needles. Great stuff. Thank you, Jules. And I should point out that Jules was also among the listeners who requested more Christmassy shanties. And I'm glad you like them, but I feel like that whole sea shanty trend may be fading out. And I don't want to encourage our imaginary listener who sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog. Did someone say Christmas sea shanties? Oh, no. The listeners have spoken and what they want is more Christmas sea shanties. Oh, quick, cut to a commercial for one of the other podcasts in the Christmas Podcast Network. Hi, this is Scott from Holly Jolly Xmasu, your podcast destination for Japanese Christmas music. If you like Christmas music and are tired of the same old songs, this is the podcast for you. Join me each month as I explore my collection of Yuletide albums from Japan, featuring everything from city pop to 80s rock, long lost jazz, and psychedelic garage rock. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. It's some of the greatest Christmas music you've never heard. So our feature segment today was inspired by my family's recent trip to the snow for some skiing and general winter frivolity. While we were up there, I realized two things. The first was, I am way too out of shape for snowboarding. The second is, building a snowman is lots of fun. So I thought, why not take a deep dive into the snowman? In the meadow, we can build a snowman And pretend that he's a circus clown We'll have lots of fun with Mr. Snowman Yes, until the other kiddies knock him down So when I went to research the history of the snowman, it seemed like every article I found referenced the same guy, Bob Eckstein. This guy literally wrote the history of the snowman. And I'm not misusing the term literally. His book is entitled The History of the Snowman, and it was referenced in just about every article I looked up about snowmen. So I figured I might as well read the book for this segment. This frozen icon is one of the most popular, recognizable characters in the world. Transcending time and language, the snowman has appeared on more magazine covers than Muhammad Ali, Napoleon, and Shirley Temple combined. But who made the first snowman? Who came up with the idea of putting one huge snowball on top of another and giving it a face? And how do you solve this mystery when all the evidence has melted away? You are about to hear the coolest story ever. The history of the snowman. 
the book, Bob attempts to answer a pretty ambitious question. Who built the first snowman? Well, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say he doesn't find a definitive answer to that question. Because likely, Primitive Man was the first to make a snowman. If he was painting on cave walls, he was certainly sculpting things out of the free material falling from the sky every winter. But even if that question of who built the first snowman is unknowable, the history of the snowman does find a lot of interesting things about snowmen throughout history. I won't be able to cover everything, partly because there's quite a bit of info in his book, but mostly because I'm sure Bob would much prefer you buy his book than just get the Cliffs Notes from my podcast. But there were several highlights I thought were worth sharing. For instance, did you know that an 18-year-old Michelangelo was commissioned to create a snowman? Cowabunga, dude! Nope, nope, not that Michelangelo. I'm talking about the Renaissance artist. Anyway, in January of 1494, during a particularly cold winter for Florence, the city was blanketed with snow, so Michelangelo's patron tasked him with building a snowman. And this was a task he took quite seriously, and he created a snow woman, hashtag snow woman, hashtag feminism. It was described as very beautiful, with one historian saying it was a prototype for Michelangelo's David, and probably the most important snow person ever built. That's a lot of praise for something that there is no visual records of. But the snowman has also been a tool for political expression, like in the miracle of 1511. There had been six weeks of cold weather in Brussels, and while the weather took its toll on the population, it apparently inspired the creation of over a hundred snowmen throughout the city. But they weren't just your typical jolly, round, carrot-nosed snowmen. These were selections of every class and station and constructed and poses critical of the issues of the day. Among the political snowmen created was a snow version with a unicorn in her lap. This was constructed in front of the home of Holy Roman Emperor Charles V in protest to him being absent and living elsewhere while Brussels was suffering. And that's a pretty sanitized description because many of these snowmen were, to put it mildly, NSFW. What's that mean? New snow from winter? No. Not safe for work. Oh. Anyway, the snow eventually melted, as snow tends to do, but it resulted in the flooding of the city. But later in January, when the snow was all gone, the King of France donated a thousand gold coins to the town. Not all the snowman's history is happy, though. The book tells the story of the Schenectady Massacre of 1690. A band of French soldiers and Salt and Algonquin Indians raided the town, burned down the village, and killed or kidnapped many residents. Well, that's a jolly story for a Christmas podcast. What's that got to do with snowmen? Well, apparently, the guards who were supposed to be guarding the gates had left their post because it was too cold, and they wanted to go drinking in the pub. In their place, they left two snowmen, who it turns out are wholly ineffectual at repelling invaders. But let's jump ahead to when the snowman becomes a part of Christmas, because, let's face it, if Jesus is the star of Christmas, and Santa is Christmas's mascot, then the snowman is Christmas's sidekick. And it's easy to see why. He's a pretty easy image to draw, three circles and a basic face, plus he's not protected by copyright. You can't get Mickey Mouse to be a pitchman for your Christmas sale, but a snowman is arguably just as appealing and is copyright free. You can even make him a main character in your story, from Burl Ives' snowman in Rankin Bass's Rudolph special to the king of the snowman, Frosty, who Bob Eckstein seems to have issues with, but we'll deep dive into Frosty in a future episode, all the way up to Hollywood's latest snowman superstar, Olaf from Frozen. And speaking of Frozen, that leads me to an important question. Do you want to build a snowman? The history of the snowman is one thing, but some news you can use is how to build one. Maybe you live in a snowy area and you've been building them all your life, or maybe you're a California like me who's been in the snow maybe 15 times in your life. Or maybe you're somewhere in between. No matter what, I thought I'd share some tips I found for making the perfect snowman, and then I'll tell you the way I did it that seemed to work for me. 
So the first thing they say is that you need to have moisture to build a good snowman. The snow has to be wet enough that will stick, but not so wet that it's just a bunch of slush. To get things started, you make a snowball, and then you roll it on the ground so that it gets bigger and bigger. But according to what I read, you shouldn't just roll the same direction. You should reverse directions every so often, all while continuing to pack it down and smooth it out so it stays round. Now, full disclosure, this did not work for me at all. But I think it's because where we were, the top layer of snow had melted just enough that it didn't stick to the snowball as it rolled over. So instead of using conventional snowman building wisdom, I called upon my years of sandcastle building at the beach. You see, the top layer of sand at the beach is often dried out by the sun and not great for building sandcastles. But if you dig down a bit, you will hit the wet sand and you get some solid sand castling done. Similarly, I found that if you dig beneath the top layer of snow, you can find a much more useful layer of snow that you can just grab scoops of and slap onto your snowball and make it bigger as you go. That's how my family and I made four snowmen over the course of the three days we were up in the snow. The first two were pretty small, but the second two were decent sized. And they were still there when we came back the next day. I was even able to make a Mickey Mouse snowman, complete with ears and a little nose. Not as good as the ones they display at the Disney parks during the holidays, but mine was made of real snow, not plastic. So I think I should get some bonus points or something. Okay, okay. I will say our method takes a bit longer than the traditional way to build a snowman, but we were just having fun, not trying to break any world records or anything. Speaking of world records, the record for the world's tallest snowman was just set a year ago in Austria. The snowman was 38.4 meters tall and named Risey, which apparently translates as giant in English. It took 40 days to build and required the use of snow cannons to build the base. I didn't even know snow cannons were a thing. They broke the record of 37.21 meters tall set by the snow woman built in Bethel, Maine in 2008. Your move, Bethel! Before we leave the world of the snowman, I'd like to play for you a list of fun snowman facts from Bob Eckstein's book. Approximate number of books with snowman in the title, 500. Approximate number of those titles that are for adults, 15. Number of movies with snowman in the title, 22. Number of those in which the snowman is the killer, 6. Number of snowmen made in Sapporo, Japan, breaking the world's record in 2003, 12,379. Number of those snowmen that survives today, zero. Average number of snowflakes it takes to make a snowman, 10 billion. Average number of calories burned per hour building a snowman, 238. So that about does it for this look at the spherical sidekick of Christmas, the snowman. If this has whet your appetite for more of the history of snowmen, I highly recommend checking out his book. I bought the audio version, but there's also an illustrated version that you might be interested in. I'll put a link in the show notes of this episode where you can check out his work and even get an autographed copy of the book if you want. I'm a little snowman short and round Made from little snowflakes that fell to the ground I have two eyes and a carrot for a nose. Oh, I am the happiest little snowman I know. Finally today, it's time for the new segment we introduced last time, which now has a name. Seasons Musings. Seasons Musings coming through. Can't wait to hear the thoughts sent in by you. Last time I told you how I got a deck of cards called the Christmas Chat Pack this past Christmas. Each of the cards has a question in it to get a Christmas discussion going. 
I also mentioned that I asked the folks who made the Christmas chat pack if it was okay if I turned their cards into a feature on the show, and I still haven't heard back from them, which means they still haven't said no. So we're going to press on. Last time I asked if you could sing any Christmas song with anyone in history, who would it be and what song would you sing? I asked you to record your answers and send them to me, and thankfully, a few of you did. So let's hear from Chris. Hey, Tim, this is uh, Chris Kringle here from Kringle Talks Football. I have my own YouTube channel and my own podcast all about football, or as you folks in America say, soccer. So I uh, just thought I'd get a little plug in there early. Um, if I could do it with anybody of any generation, I think I think it would be Dolly Parton. I think I'm a big country fan, and even though I'm I'm more into the like modern country songs and modern country music, I think doing a duet with with Dolly Parton would be fantastic. And it, the song I would choose, I think I'd do "Fairy Tale of New York," the Pogues with Kirsty McCall that version. I don't think I'd do it justice by any stretch of the imagination, but a cool song like that would definitely be uh, the top of my list. Yeah, Dolly Parton would be the one one for me. Anyways, listen, Merry Candlemas, because I didn't even realize that was a thing. And um, keep laughing all the way. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Chris. Now remember, in this scenario, your singing voice is amazing, so I'm sure you'd do great with Fairy Tale of New York. But can I just say how trippy it is to hear someone with your accent say they like country music? I thought that was a phenomenon that pretty much stayed in America. <laughs> Crazy. Let's check in with our next season's muser, Jonathan. Hey, Tim. This is Jonathan. Checking in from Portland, Maine, with a wheezing, sleeping baby in my lap at the moment. Uh, don't know if the world can hear that or not. My dream duet would be on the song uh, Keep Christmas With You, and I would duet with Big Bird, and it would be beautiful, and Big Bird, Big Bird would put his wing around me as we sang, and we would sway back and forth, and it would be absolutely magical. Um, that's all I have to say. Um, hope everybody's having a good time out there and, uh, keep up the great work on the podcast. Thanks so much. Bye. Way to add extra adorable points with the cooing baby. Good move, Jonathan. And Big Bird is such a great pick. I didn't even think of picking a character. I might have to change my answer to singing rock and roll Santa with liver lips from Disney's country bear Jamboree. Thanks again, Jonathan. Okay, our last season's muser who sent in their answer in time for this month's show is one of the stars of last year's smash hit made-for-podcast Christmas movie, A Bomb for Christmas, Jeffrey. Now, to set up Jeffrey's answer, I'm just going to refresh you on what I gave as my answer last time. I said I would like to sing Jingle Bells with Andy Williams. Okay, with that knowledge, you are prepared for this. Hey, Tim, I just wanted to answer that Christmas question of yours. And I'm going to agree with you. Sort of. I actually don't like the song Jingle Bells that much, except for an arrangement that, as far as I know, was first done by Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters, and then by Barry Manilow and the 80s pop group Exposé, which was my favorite till I heard Michael Buble do it with the Papini Sisters. I already have four of their albums, so that's the winner for me. I would love to do that arrangement of Jingle Bells in a duet with the Papini Sisters, though. On my CD, I'd change the name to Swingle Bells, because I'm just that cheesy. Merry Christmas. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Jeffrey. You sound so much different without your Russian accent. But I will forgive the fact that you don't like the song Jingle Bells because you coined the phrase Swingle Bells, which I totally dig, baby. 
So thank you to everybody in the inaugural first class of Seasons Musings. This was a fun first run at this, I think. I'm hoping even more of you send in something for this month's Seasons Musings question. But first, I have to choose one. So let me pull a card out here. Okay, your question for next time. What holiday movie's Christmas celebration would you like to have attended? Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know if this technically counts as a movie, but I'm picking it anyway. I would love to have been there for the Muppet Family Christmas. To be able to hang out with Kermit and Fozzie and Grover and Swedish Chef and Gobo Fraggle, that is a dream come true for me. But what do you think? Record your answer on your phone and email it to me at christmas at tancast.com. What was that? Christmas at tancast.com. Got it. Send it in and you can hear yourself on one of the top 15 Christmas podcasts of all time. Hmm. How prestigious. Also, just a reminder, if you'd like to get this deck I'm using for this segment, there's a link in the show notes so you can grab your own Christmas chat pack. And the jingle for this segment featured Deck the Halls by Kevin McLeod, which was used under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Before I sign off, I would like to send a little love to a friend of the show and inventor of the Linus test, Brian. He's currently recovering in the hospital, and I would just like to send my prayers and well wishes for a speedy recovery. Hope you feel better soon, Brian. And in fact, I'd like to send my best wishes to all of you out there. I hope you're coping okay, and I hope merrier days are just around the corner. I'll see you again in spring for our next episode. But in the meantime, you believers, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2021. Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, and email us about it at christmas at tancast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store, where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on Twitter, we are at Christmas Pod. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band, and this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and they are used for purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. Merry Christmas! Now, while this was not a tradition I was familiar with, it still seemed like a tasty idea. So, here's a recipe. Oh, all right. Someone's motorcycle is rev, rev, revving along. I guess they didn't want to be around for breakfast casseroles? Hmm, rude. Six large eggs, lightly beaten. I don't know what that instruction means. Lightly beaten. I feel like you either beat the eggs or you don't beat the eggs. I don't, like, do you... You, you heavy beat them? I, I feel like I've even made this joke before. That's how little I understand cooking. Much like the Swedish example, when the French say, Joyeux Noël, 
Nope. I don't know if that is right. Yep. I think I made it to French before I had to check in with Outtake Central. Hey, everybody, checking in with Outtake Central. That's right, Tim doesn't know how to speak French. Everybody knew that, despite the fact that he took French until he was in the fourth grade. There's a little hidden fact for you. Then there's the Germans who say, (laughs) right in a row, French and German stumped Tim. So our feature segment today was inspired by my family's recent trip to the snow for some skiing and general winter winter frivolity. Winter frivolity. As for it by name. It's not just for breakfast anymore. So when I went to research the history of the snowman, it seemed like every article I found referenced the same guy, Bob Eccleston. Eccleston. Oh no! I've been listening to this dude's book on a loop for the past like five days, and I cannot remember how to pronounce his last name. I am a fraud. Eckstein. Eckstein. Sounds like he is an X-Man. Cyclops, Wolverine, Rogue, grab Eckstein and head over there and fight Magneto. Before we leave the world of the snowman, I'd like to play for you a list of fun snowman facts from... I mean, this might actually be a good episode. I don't, I don't want to jinx it, but there's a possibility. I mean, this is probably the last outtake of the outtakes. So if it wasn't a good episode, you already know. And I would appreciate it if you don't tell me. Because it hurt my feelings. 